Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today's Friday, December 15, 2023. Hey, don't forget that American Reserve's special 10% off uh, ends tonight at midnight. So this is your last chance to get that uh, whopping 10% discount. Hey, Doc Burkhart is on a divine assignment in Zanesville, Ohio. Today is the day for Mary's miracle. Mary is a sister in Christ who needs a new home. And the True News family of Christian brothers and sisters, that is you. If you are a donor, a contributor to True News, you have purchased a new camping trailer for Mary. And I'm going to try right now to connect with Doc. He is at the deal. There he is. Uh, we're doing this live. Doc's at the dealership in Zanesville. Hello, Doc. Good morning. All right, Good morning, is- Rick. I've had uh, the privilege of being able to be here in Zanesville, Ohio this morning. And behind me right now is Mary's Miracle. And this is the camper that the True News audience and Faith and Values friends have uh, graciously worked to help us provide Mary here this Christmas. It's beautiful, Rick. It's gorgeous. I'm standing by right now. They're getting ready to hook this up and deliver it over to uh, the new site. And then this afternoon, we're going to start working to get everything turned on, the utilities and everything. And then later on this afternoon, uh, I'll be doing probably a live update on Faith and Values where we actually bring Mary into the camper. And so it's I'm looking forward to that. This is really I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world, Rick. This is one of the most exciting trips I've ever been on. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm I'm jealous, uh, Doc. I'd love to be there. Um, I love doing things like this. What's the size of that trailer? How many feet? This is uh, 38 foot long. Uh, Add another four foot for the hitch and everything. Uh, And it's a little bit longer than what she has now, uh, but a lot more space inside because it has the sides that pop out and everything. And so it's going to be, uh, a, a real upgrade for her and something that she'll be comfortable in for a very long time. And of course, we've told the story of where she's at now. Uh, just, you know, just a, a, a tough situation for Mary, but we're going to resolve that situation today. And not only are we going to deliver this today and start getting everything hooked up and get the skirting on because they have winners up here in Ohio. And so we got to get that taken care of. But we're also going to outfit uh, this. Uh, uh, this new domicile for her. We're going to get new uh, linens for her, pots and pans, dishes. We're going to do all of that for her in order to get her set up here. And uh, uh, so she'll have a fresh start moving forward here and not have to worry about all the mold and all the health problems that she's been having. Uh, she, she was just sharing with me today. She was not feeling well today. 
And so she's looking forward to uh, seeing the new camper. And so, Rick, I'm just very proud of not only, you know, uh, what the audience has done, but that you and I had a chance to be a part of this. Doc, so you, you met Mary. Did, uh, so I, I assume that you, uh, you got a glimpse of her present uh, dwelling place. I was by her uh, uh, her current camper, and she needs to move. <laughs> Let me just say that she she really really does. And, so, uh, and she's going to have um, she's going to have heat and hot water today. Yes, that's our plan. And so, uh, we'll, uh, water's already on up there, and we've got the propane tank, so she, we should be able to do heat and hot water starting today. What's the temperature in Zanesville today? Actually, it's not that bad. It's in the 40s right now, and so uh, and should warm up to the 50s. But it got down to freezing last night, and so uh, that's the time of year we're in. We've got to get her out of that other camper into this one, where it's nice and warm and and it's safe because you can't you know run a space heater forever in a in a camper. Something something might happen. So it's, it's, it's a safe. That's very good. Uh, Doc, I don't. Uh, do you think there's enough lighting inside the camper f- uh, for you to uh, give us a peek inside? I have to uh, have uh, the uh, dealer come back up here with the key because we locked it oh, up. Oh, he's so already locked it up. Okay. All right. I understand. I, that I'll, I'll be able to get into it here in just a little bit. Okay. And I understand the dealer um, has uh, gone beyond beyond the deal he's he's offering to transport the trailer uh put up yes. skirting and other things yes and so they normally don't do that and uh, so they they loved our story and they're uh, and i'll just tell everybody what it is it's it's finks rv in zanesville ohio yeah, you know so got a free plug there so, you go and uh so, our price for this this is what a two-year-old camper right two years yes, old sir. yes uh, we're brand new selling at uh, just under 60. Uh, we got it for 29. Good deal. All right. I'm so. happy. I'm happy with that. And uh, uh, look, uh, we've already paid for this trailer. We sent the yes. money. Uh, and but what we did and we just act by faith. We, we just took the money out of our our general fund for our operating expenses. Uh, you know, it's the middle of the month. Hey, God has two more weeks to meet our needs. What, what's That's two right. weeks in God's calendar? See, there. You know, you don't have to worry about it. If you if you do the Lord's will and have faith, He'll He'll provide whatever you need. And so I, we're we're not bothered about that. We took out twenty nine thousand dollars out of our budget to give it away to somebody who had need, because we yeah. trust we trust the Lord that. That by the end of December, a lot of people will donate to us, and and those funds will come back into our account. Plus, you're going to spend thousands of dollars today on things that she needs for this home. Plus, I yeah. I I told you, Doc, you know, to give her to give her some gift certificates to stores for clothing, for food, um, you know, just. Take care of her. Make sure she has everything that she needs, that this is the best Christmas she's ever had. I'm going to do exactly that, Rick. And so, uh, once again, it's just such a privilege to be here in Zanesville, Ohio, to help Mary out with this very special project. And we're just the representatives. Really, it's the True News audience and the Faith and Values audience that have really stepped up on this. And 
said we want to be a part of it. And uh, uh, just to let you get one more look there here, it is a beautiful camper. Uh, it's going to be something that she'll be able to use for years and years. And it's uh, so much, let me tell you, so much better than where she's at right now. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, did you get to meet any True News um, partners in Zanesville? Have you had an opportunity? I know you just got there last night. Not, got a couple that are coming over tomorrow. They're going to help with any uh, further setup and uh, connections and everything that have made, uh, you know, they're making the effort to come over. And so, uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to meeting them then. So, but uh, later today I'll be doing some shopping and uh, getting uh, uh, everything set up for Mary, and maybe someone can help. Uh, it needs it needs a lady's touch, and so yeah, uh, that's wonderful. All right, well, Doc. Hey, listen, we will check back in with you now. You're going to go live on Faith and Values later today when when the trailer is delivered to Mary. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so uh, didn't know if. Our timing's a little off here as far as uh, uh, still waiting for them to hook this up and everything. It looks like the guy's coming over right now. Uh, so we're going to get this hooked up and get it moved up the hill uh, to uh, the new lot. And then later on this afternoon, I'll be taking Mary over to the uh, to this camper where, from where she's at now and uh, be able to show her where we're at. So Okay, so everybody just, uh, uh, just watch your phone for a push notification from... Faith and Values uh, telling you that Doc's going live, and that will be the uh, the actual live delivery of this new home to Mary. So you can you can participate in Mary's miracle. Thank you, Doc. We'll check back with you later sure. today. God bless. Talk to you later. All right. Well, our first story today is from Des Moines, Iowa, and here's a headline from Des Moines Register. Former congressional candidate charged with vandalizing satanic temple display at Iowa Capitol. Says a former congressional candidate from Mississippi has been charged with vandalizing the satanic temple of Iowa's statue depicting the pagan idol Baphomet that was on display at the Iowa State Capitol building. Michael Cassidy, age 35, Lauderdale, Mississippi, charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief on Thursday, according to the Iowa Department of Safety. He's facing up to one year in prison and a $2,500 fine. And uh, the uh, Satanic Temple of Iowa said that the display had been destroyed beyond repair. Uh, Here's a brief report from... Uh, Des Moines TV station KCCI. This is again the. Oh, I know this is the, this is not the the video. I'm going to show you the video here in a moment. But I want to show you a quote that was reported by KCCI Channel Eight, and I'm and I'm reading this. This is from their report. And what was the reaction of people when they heard that the Satanic Temple had been destroyed? The the Baphomet. You know, the statue of, of of Satan. Well, they quoted Jessica Cornish Tilstra, who drove three and a half hours with her daughter to see the display. Can you imagine a mother drove three and a half hours to so her daughter could see a statue of Satan? And she said, I would never do that to somebody else's property. And I don't think it's right that other people, based on their beliefs, think that they can do that 
just because they don't like it. She said she feels that the display is a form of inclusion, especially during this time of the year when there's more than one holiday. Well, there's only one Savior who was born, and it wasn't Satan. It was Jesus Christ. And uh, I'll, I'll show you the video, and I'll tell you my thoughts about it. This is a, a report from KCCI TV8 Des Moines, Iowa. Play from the Satanic Temple of Iowa at the State House has been damaged. The Satanic Temple posted this video to Facebook today. It says investigators told them their statue was damaged beyond repair. The display has been up for most of the month. The Satanic Temple of Iowa intended to keep it up until tomorrow. Now, this display has drawn a lot of controversy. The governor even called for people to pray over the Capitol in response to it. This display is permitted to be at the state house because of religious freedom. Well, my thoughts are congratulations to Michael Cassidy of Lauderdale, Mississippi. God bless you, sir. Uh, I'm real proud of you. And I'm glad that you did what you did because it needed to be done. We're at the place that uh, this, the enemies of Jesus Christ are openly, brazenly, placing statues of Satan in state capitol buildings. They're going into schools and having Satan clubs to, to defile the minds of children. And there's no pushback in this country because people are saying, well, uh, they have their rights. They have to be allowed to, to express their views. No, we don't have to put up with Satanists. You don't have to do it. Let me ask you this. In the last several years, how many statues of Confederate soldiers were torn down in America? And how many people were arrested? I don't know if anybody was arrested. How many statues of Christopher Columbus were, were demolished? Was anybody arrested? How many works of art have been defaced, patriotic works of art have been defaced. Was anybody arrested? I'm not aware of anybody being arrested. So the left on inside America, the political left says, this is wonderful when people destroy Confederate soldier statues or pull down statues of Theodore Roosevelt and George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and whatever statue from our history that they want to destroy. And it's glorified in the news media that this is wonderful. Well, I think it's wonderful that Mr. Cassidy tore down a statue of Satan. I think it's wonderful. And I hope more men do it. These people need to understand that the rest of us in this country are fed up. We're up to here with this crap. We're done with it. And we're not going to tolerate it anymore. And you, you keep pushing, and there's going to be pushback. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. So if Mr. Cassidy needs legal defense, well, I can tell you right now that Faith and Values is right now putting together a new legal defense organization. It's not ready yet, so we can't officially come to his rescue. But it will be ready in early 24. 
And if Mr. Cassidy does not have legal counsel to defend him, our new organization, Defending Faith and Values Legal Defense Fund, we will be there to help him. We just need a few more weeks to get it together. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. This is this is where we're going in 2024. We're going to be very aggressive in defending Christians who are standing up for Jesus Christ in this country. So I I commend and I congratulate Michael Cassidy for doing what needed to be done. And let let it happen every place in America. Every place Satan pops up his head, just knock it over. We don't have to tolerate this stuff anymore. The Satanists are laughing that they're getting away with this stuff. It needs to be ended. And when they know that real men are standing up, they will back down because they're not real men. In uh, West Virginia, Mac Warner is the secretary of state. He's run, running for governor as a Republican candidate. He made a comment several days ago in a political debate with other Republican candidates. He said the 2020 election was stolen, and it was stolen by the CIA. Now, folks, this man is the secretary of state of West Virginia, and the secretary of state oversees elections. And so the highest official of West Virginia for overseeing elections said the 2020 election was stolen, taken away from Donald Trump, given to Joe Biden, and the entity behind it was the CIA. I want to uh, play a soundbite. This is just the audio. I don't have video of the debate, but this is the audio of Mac Warner saying that the election was stolen by the CIA. I believe Trump is correct when he says, continues to say, the election was stolen. The election was stolen, Hoppy. And it the was election sto- was stolen? It was stolen, and it was stolen by the CIA. When Mike Morrell testified under oath to Jim Jordan that, yes, he colluded with uh, Anthony Blinken to sell a lie to the American people two weeks before the election for the very purpose of throwing the presidential election. How does it not get stolen if it's more? And the FBI covers it up, and Mark Zuckerberg pays $400 million to put his thumb on the scale. That's not a fair... uh, So the election was stolen. Yes. More was the election stolen? What we can talk about is what happened in the state of West Virginia, and we've had very secure... And we're very vigilant about our elections in the state of West Virginia. Thank you, more. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and, hey, Secretary Warner deserves credit for that. Donald Trump won the state of West Virginia by 40 points. And, and in 2016, when the Washington liberal elite were crying about President Trump beating Hillary Clinton, they never once cried about the results in West Virginia. I believe if every state would conduct their elections like we do here, we wouldn't be having was this the discussion. Election stood, when Trump said, Mac said the election was stolen, was the election stolen? We know what happened in West Virginia, and that's what we can speak to. It was rock solid. Donald Trump won West Virginia and win it again. Well, I was talking nationally. Chris, was the election stolen? The Pro- word stolen. Po- possibly. Like, let me give you an example. Mail-in ballots. I go into the courthouse. I cast my vote. I see it done right then and there. Here's the difference with a mail-in ballot. It's like me going to the courthouse to cast my vote and handing that to a clerk that walks out of the room, around the street, over another building, up the stairway, does something in that room, comes back around and goes, hey, great news, your vote's cast. That's a problem. Well, good. I'm glad somebody is actually laying out the truth that the intelligence agencies of the United States robbed the American people. And uh, a lot of us are aware of it now. And it's going to be more difficult 
to steal elections in the future. Uh, several weeks ago, COPT, COP28, the climate uh, uh, summit was held in, in uh, uh, the Middle East. And a lot of radical proposals were made to fight climate change. Because, you know, the, the oceans are boiling and all this stuff. And so you have to take radical action. The radical action that they're proposing is really just the implementation of global communism. And they're using a fake climate crisis as the cover. And they've got a substantial number of people worldwide actually believing that the climate is in crisis. And yet you can't see it anywhere. Take me to the place in the world where the climate is in a crisis. And show me. I, I want to see it. But you can't go there because there's no place in the world where the climate is in a crisis. It's just the climate. It's just the way the world is, the way it's always been. Well, whenever they have these conferences, the delegates go back home and they begin implementing the radical ideas. And I think here in America, a lot of us don't connect these extremist ideas with these international conferences. For example, the war on natural gas, the war on gasoline and diesel. Where does this come from? It originates at these international conferences where they lay down the law and then the politicians from the individual countries go back home and begin implementing what the conference said they had to do acting as though the, the conference is some type of international super government. I'm going to give you an example. This is from uh, TV station, or no, radio station, KTTH 770 in the state of Washington. And it says, Democrat bill would jail people for using gas-powered leaf blowers. Yes, you're reading it right. A Democrat in the state of Washington wants to criminalize using a gas-powered leaf blower. In fact, he wants you to go to prison for one year. It says, uh, the Democrat war on gas continues. Now Democrats propose jailing Washingtonians for using gas-powered landscaping tools like leaf blowers. State Representative Amy Whalen, Democrat from Kirkland, Prefiled legislation that makes sweeping additions to the Washington State Clean Air Act. Her bill bans gasoline-powered and diesel-powered landscaping and other outdoor power equipment for contributing to climate change. The bill lists a number of health consequences tied to the tools, including asthma. So anyhow, uh, if her bill passes, violating the law would mean up to uh, 365 days in jail. That's an example of how they're using these international conferences to come home and then implement the recommendations of the conferences. On World War III is Vestia. We told you uh, part of this story a couple days ago where a high-level Russian official speaking at a conference in Europe uh, at the uh, conference is the uh, OSCE. He said that if if NATO planes take off from adjoining nations like Poland, that the Russian military would consider them to be legitimate military targets. 
he said some more things at the conclusion of that conference. I have this information. He said, if European countries ignore Russia's statement about the inadmissibility of the use of their air bases by Ukrainian F-16 fighter jets, they will face serious consequences. This was announced on Izvestia News on Friday, December 15, by the head of the Russian delegation at the talks in Vienna on military security and arms control. And the man on the screen is Konstantin Garavilov. He said the, the article says the diplomat said during the final meeting of the OSCE forum that Moscow made it clear that the use of airfields in Poland, Slovakia and Romania by Ukrainian pilots would be perceived as the participation of these countries in the conflict with Ukraine. At the same time, one of the foreign delegates said that such a scenario must be avoided because it would lead to a third world war. Well, we're already in the third world war. Uh, but I wanted to see that the Russians are, are adamant about this warning and stating clearly they will shoot down NATO planes that fly over Ukrainian airspace coming in from other uh, surrounding countries. Quickly before um, I take a break, BBC reporting cargo ships in the Red Sea hit by drone and missiles launched from Yemen. This happened today. And uh, I think I'm going to try. I think I can get this uh, this video in. Uh, this is the Middle East Monitor. A former member of the Israeli Knesset is advocating for the extermination of all Palestinians in Gaza. They're openly saying it. They're not ashamed. They're not embarrassed about talking about genocide. And this is former Knesset member Danny Newman, who is a lawyer. He knows the definition of genocide. This is what he said. His own words. He's, he's guilty himself of calling for, for genocide. He's a lawyer, and he knows the consequences of calling for genocide. In, the st in Germany, in one state in Germany, uh, Saxony-Anhalt, anybody seeking citizenship and desiring a German passport will have to swear in writing that they are loyal to the state of Israel. Folks, I'm not making this up. This is from DW News in Germany. Citizenship applicants must support Israel. It says they must confirm in writing that they recognize Israel's right to exist and condemn any efforts directed against the existence of the state of Israel. So if you say Israel is guilty of genocide, does that automatically disqualify you from being a citizen of Germany? Is this going to spread around the world? And will our own existing passports be denied as citizens if we don't affirm the right of Israel to exist? These are serious questions that must be asked right now because the Zionists are 
are going all out to make sure nobody questions their genocide. I posted on X the other day, direct quote from the revelation of Jesus Christ. I wrote, Jesus wrote to seven churches. He chastised five and commended to Smyrna and Philadelphia. Both churches were attacked by the synagogue of Satan. Jesus said the synagogue's members say they are Jews and are not, but lie. In other words, there will be fake Jews in the last days. As you see at the bottom, what does it say? Visibility limited. X, used to be Twitter, says this post contains content that is against uh, the policies of X. It contains harmful content, and therefore they limit it. How many people could see the words of Jesus Christ quoted directly from the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Holy Bible? Try it. If you post anything that mentions the synagogue of Satan, X will take down your your post. Obviously, the Zionists do not want to be associated with the synagogue of Satan, even though they, they wear that label. Hey, several weeks ago, I um, was invited to do a, a, an interview on a Russian television station. This is the, the largest independently owned television network in Russia. It's NTV. And what I'm going to show you is the raw interview uh, without any uh, comments. It's just exactly as I recorded it for the Russian television network. I don't know if it ever aired in Russia. I don't know how much of it they edited. I don't know if they showed the entire interview or just parts of it or never showed any of it. But this is it. This is from NTV in Russia. God's people are smarter than ants. Even ants know it's wise to store food. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuler, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year, buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. For a limited time only, our sponsor, American Reserves, is offering a 10% off site-wide Christmas sale. It's happening now. Head over to American Reserves' website and use code TRUENEWS to save on products for you or gifts for your loved ones. The sale ends Friday, December 15th at midnight Eastern time. So when this recent conflict erupted, what were your general thoughts where this thing will go? In Gaza. Um, the... War, war crimes are being committed in Gaza. The civilized community of, of mankind must deal with the war crimes. It is uh, 
unbelievable that the Israelis are shooting babies, children, women, elderly people. They are bombing hospitals. Last night, they they conducted a military raid on Al-Shefa Hospital in Gaza. Just weeks ago, they denied that they bombed the hospital. Now they're openly bragging that they're shooting hospitals. That's how, that's how far the world has moved in several weeks, where two or three weeks ago, you were accused of believing Hamas propaganda if you said the Israelis bombed a hospital. Now, the world is told you must accept shooting children in hospitals. That's how far the propaganda has moved in just two or three weeks. It is unthinkable that hospitals and churches and mosques are being bombed and that every day hundreds of children are dying, that apartment residential apartment complexes with hundreds of families living in it are being targeted by Israeli airstrikes. I have never seen anything like this in my lifetime, and it is shocking. It is uh, extremely distressing. I'm having a very difficult time dealing with it emotionally. Uh, I have to just stop looking at the videos and the photographs because it troubles me so much to see the mangled, bloodied bodies of little children. And I, I just I don't know why world leaders are being silent. It must stop. The interesting thing, how the whole the situation um, affects the world right now. So we see a lot of protests going on in the world. And particularly, we see a lot of pro-Palestinian protests, which are really violent in some places. And I would say they're even more violent than pro-Israeli protests. So there's a peculiar thing coming, coming off that today, left-wing activists who support Palestine, they are more aggressive and violent than right-wing activists. How do you explain this paradox? Um, I, I don't know. I always uh, oppose violence and, and uh, any kind of aggressive behavior. That's not the way to protest. Your protest must be peaceful. I would... My only explanation for it, Yuri, would be that people are extremely angry and frustrated as they see the videos of children who are being murdered and, and then realizing that world leaders are looking the other way. That's the only explanation I have for it. I have not personally seen any violent protests. I've heard reports of it, so I don't know what's happening. I have seen... Uh, many videos of massive protests around the world in London and Berlin and Stockholm, and uh, they all appeared to be peaceful. So there was a very peaceful protest for Israel yesterday in the United States. There was no violence. Uh, but I, I would encourage people to be peaceful, 
we, the world doesn't need any more hate. We don't need any more violence. There's too much now. Let's please dig uh, into this thing a little deeper, if you don't mind. So, uh, you know, for recent years, we've seen a lot of criticism toward right-wing politicians. We've seen a lot of criticism toward right-wing activists. They've been called Nazis, they've been called whatever, you know, for their, uh, polit uh, for, for their views and their attitude toward the things happening in the world right now. And we've seen left-wing activists like Greta Thunberg, yeah, they, they mostly echo activists. And with their protests, not only this pro-Palestine pro Gaza protests, We've seen a lot of echo protests, which were really violent. They they stop traffic in the entire cities. They block the roads, they block avenues. They um, uh, they they uh, you know protest in the museums. They you know uh, spill the paint uh, the paint in, into some. Um, uh, in, in the masterpieces in the in the museum, so how did they get in in that particular place? How how did we get here when we see that left wing they are more violent and they are more radical than the right wing, and right wing they look more moderate today? Isn't that the case? Well, the, the left wing is extremely violent, and uh, you mentioned uh, protests where they are destroying artistic masterpieces, which is a, just a disgusting act of, of disrespect. I, it, again, it's, it's shocking behavior, but there's no—the authorities allow them to do it. That's the frustrating thing. They are, the authorities are allowing these people to do it, and there seems to be no, no arrest, no actions to stop it. Um, so you know, let's separate. Let's separate the far left attacks on various issues from the protests regarding Palestine. You also mentioned uh, Russia. There is a tremendous amount of anti-Russian propaganda in America. The American people are not against Russia. The American ruling class is against Russia. And I have struggled to understand why the ruling class of America despises Russia. It doesn't make sense because we share so much in common. Uh, the Russian people and the American people are we're we are primarily we are we are Europeans. We are Christians. We share a, a, a common heritage. We were allies in World War II against Nazism. So why, why is the American ruling class today so anti-Russian? And I have pondered this and wondered, wh what is it that drives their hatred? And I, I, can, only, I can only come to one of two explanations for it because it's abnormal it's it's not easily understandable the first explanation would go back to world war ii after the end of the war the new cia the central intelligence agency 
secretly moved tens of thousands of German Nazis to the United States. The CIA wanted to know how the Nazis built the Third Reich. What were their secret strategies? What were the projects that they were working on? How did they master propaganda and in a very short period of time take control of the entire German population? How did they do that? Our, our CIA brought the Nazis to America and protected them. And I believe, I believe the, the American ruling class literally became Nazis. And the American people did not know it. And now we are ruled by Nazis. We are ruled by second-generation Nazis. And that's why last month a World War II Nazi SS officer was given three standing ovations inside the Canadian Parliament. The Canadian politicians knew he was a Nazi. Afterwards, they pretended that they didn't know it, but they did know it. The reason that they gave him a standing ovation is that they secretly are Nazis. And the American people can't comprehend this. This is too far, too far out for them to comprehend that their rulers, the, the, the men and women with the money, the power, are secretly Nazis. But our nation has been Nazified. We have a surveillance state with technology. Our freedom has been taken away. Our elections are no longer fair. Many of us don't even know if on the presidential elections if our votes even count anymore. It's like they've already been decided. America's been conquered from within. The second alternative, we go back to the 1917 Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. And your country was overthrown. Outsiders came into your country and overthrew your nation and enslaved your nation for 70 years until the Russian people cast off the Bolshevik communists. And you regained your freedom, regained your heritage, regained your Christianity, and perhaps the reason that the American ruling class is so angry at Russia is because the Russian people have returned to being the proud Russian Christians that they once were. Maybe that's the explanation for the hatred. But I'm, I'm telling you, among the general American people, there is not hatred for the Russian people. We, we want to be friends. We want to be allies. We, we, it's, it's our leaders that want us to hate Russia. And our, our television news, our newspapers, our magazines, our websites are filled with two types of, of propaganda. But they're interconnected. They're one and the same. The one message is Russia is bad. Russia must be defeated. Russia must be put down. Russia is an enemy. Russia is a threat. The other propaganda is Israel is our friend. Israel is great. Israel 
can do no wrong. Israel must be protected. Israel must get everything America gives, wants to give them. Those are the two main propaganda messages in the United States of America. And wherever you turn, your mind is being bombarded with those two streams of propaganda. And I believe they come from the same source. They're two streams that come from one spring. And I, I think that explains the, the animosity in, in the American ruling class against your country. So um, I am very proud to say that I love Russia and that I want to be a friend of the Russian people. That, that, is, uh, that costs me here in America to say those words. Thank you very much. I, I, I love you, your country as well and brilliant people living in America. I mean, American people living in Vermont states, in the states of Maine, they're beautiful people. Yes. But uh, I was wondering, how do you explain that paradox? You know, you're saying about this uh, nationalism of the elite in, the, in America, extreme nationalists. How do you explain that giving to the policies uh, attempted by the current government, the United States, like broad transgenderism, like Black Lives Matter and other other things. How how does it lose uh, along with the, their nationalism? They hate God. America's ruling class hates God. It's just that simple. They are at war with God. The the leaders of the Bolshevik Revolution hated God. They were not atheists. They were Satanists. The leaders of America's Nazi regime are Satanists. At the core of it, Yuri, they hate Jesus Christ. They hate what is good. They hate what is right. And they are at war. We have the new Nazis... The new Nazis plan to reimagine the entire world. Their plan with technology, with artificial intelligence, synthetic biology, and all the various advancements that they're making in science, their plan is to eradicate Genesis as God's meaning. They plan to eradicate God's creation and to replicate it with a man-made genesis. Their plan is to eliminate everything God made to the fullest extent that they can do it. Their plan is to eliminate livestock. If you follow what they're doing in Western nations, they plan to get rid of animals and make us eat fake meat made in in factories that they own. They are, they are using the green revolution, you know, in, environmentalism. That is, a, that is a cover for their revolution against God's creation. They, they say that they want to save the planet, but really what they want to do is destroy the planet. Because they're driven by hatred for God. And so they, they plan to make new creatures that are not human. 
They plan to introduce robots. Eventually, they will eliminate, if they, if they get their way, they will eliminate all humans except themselves. And they will be the only humans left on the planet, and they will be served by robots. But they believe that they believe that they're called. I'm going to say called. They believe that they are born with the responsibility to rule the planet. And they, they are. God told Adam and Eve to go into the world and dominate. Dominate the world. Multiply. For this ruling class of Nazis, Lucifer has told them to go into all the world and dominate and unmultiply, unmultiply the human race, eliminate the human race. You, you want to know why, Yuri? If there are no humans left, there's nobody to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. There's nobody to be saved. There's nobody to be baptized. I they was wondering to, about to, your view. They want to Did take away God's people. The, the, the plan is to eliminate God's people from the planet. Do you think that these people, uh, they're, I mean, like ec ecologists, like extremist green uh, greens, do you, do you think they they are aware of what they're doing? Uh, on the street level, the, the thugs that are running around, no, I don't think so. Uh, the, the people who know what they're doing are the people like Bill Gates, the Anthony Fauci's. At that level, they know what they're doing. They're very wicked. They're very evil. And humans must, real humans, we, we must unite in every nation to oppose them. They are the new Nazis. I watch and read and follow the speeches of your leaders, Vladimir Putin, Dmitry Medvedev, Sergei Lavrov, and others. I pay close attention to what they say, and I am aware that they know what's going on. I think they know more than what they have said. I think your leaders know more about what the Western Nazis are doing and what they plan to do than, than what they have said to the public. But I follow your leaders, and they are clearly aware that the Western leaders are Nazis. And I am in total agreement with them. They are Nazis, but they're new Nazis, and they're, they're more dangerous than the old Nazis ever were in the 1940s. Because the, the old Nazis didn't have artificial intelligence. They didn't have synthetic biology. They didn't have genetics. These new Nazis have technology that can do things that Hitler never dreamed he could do. And humanity is at stake. Do you know about messenger RNA vaccines, mRNA? Many, many of the vaccines that were produced here in America were messenger RNA. It wasn't a vaccine. It was an operating system. And they, if you went to their, the websites of the pharmaceutical companies, if you If you watched and listened to the speeches of the pharmaceutical executives, they clearly admitted that their vaccines, the messenger RNA, mRNA vaccines, 
were not vaccines, that they were operating systems. They got into your genes, into your DNA. They changed. They sent messages to your body's cells. Yuri, I believe that the people that got vaccinated with these messenger RNA vaccines are no longer fully human. They became the first wave of transhumanists because their bodies are no longer as God made them. They now have an operating system in them that's sending messages to their cells. That's not human. That's extra human. We've, humanity crossed a line in, in, the, in the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. We crossed a line. We entered into a new age. And that, that virus was man-made, and it was deliberately introduced into the world population, but they had the vaccines made before the virus, and they were not vaccines. They were operating systems. I don't know if what I'm saying is allowed to be said in your country. I hope I don't get you in trouble. I'm saying no. I, I, no, actually, there are a lot of things of that kind is said in Russia, even towards the Russian vaccine. So it's really like really usual vaccine, which were used decades ago. It's the this, this, this similar technique in the vaccine produced by Russia toward the COVID-19. But what, what about transhumanism? Can, could, you, could you explain it? What does that mean? Transhumanism? Transhumanism yeah. is a movement to move the human race to another level, uh, another species, transitioning. The trans is to transition humanity to a new creature. And so there is a very serious movement in the science community to transition the human race. Uh, I, I attended two World Economic Forum meetings in Davos. Uh, president Trump, when he was uh, the president, uh, I was invited twice, 2018 and 2020. I was invited to go with the White House. And, and so I was uh, inside meetings in Davos, Switzerland. And I heard, I heard presentations by futurists talking about creating new species of beings that would not be human. I heard it with my own ears. These new Nazis are frightening. They're frightening. They plan, they plan to give all of us a unique identification number. Those meetings were held. I saw them. I, the one meeting, I was not allowed to go in. I had a White House badge. It said White House. And they would not allow me to go into the meeting. They said I was not cleared to be in that meeting. The meeting was about a global, unique identification number for every human. There are meetings taking place in this world to bring the entire human race into bondage to the new Nazis. And that's why I admire your country for standing up against the Nazis. And I wish more people would do it. I know your country's taking a, a lot of uh, criticism, but there are many of us who admire your leaders 
for opposing the Nazis. I wish we had leaders that would oppose the Nazis. Um, a lot of our leaders are actual Nazis themselves. Uh, most of the politicians don't even know it. They just, they're just going along with it. It's, it's the big guys like the Bill Gates, the, the super rich, the billionaires. These are the guys that are the new Nazis. And they are building a world that will be a nightmare. And it's, uh, it, it must be stopped. Yeah. So let's leave it there. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate your commenta commentaries. It was really good to speak with you and hear your words toward my country. Uh, it's yeah, a special pleasure for me. Thank you very much. All right. Again. Thank you. Appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Thank you. So what do you think? Did, did that interview air in Russia? I don't know. I'd like to find out um, whether it was allowed to go out and how much of it was uh, seen in Russia. Uh, hey, Doc Burkhart is going to join us at the, at the end of Morning Mana. We just uh, connected with him a few minutes ago, and the, uh, the trailer has been, my understanding, it has been delivered to Mary. And Doc's going to call back in at the end of Morning Mana, which uh, will be just about... Uh, you know, uh, less than an hour from now. So make sure you stay in the program. We'll have an we'll have an update from from Doc. Also, the folks at American Reserves have a new they have a new promotion that will start tomorrow. The ten percent discount ends today at midnight, but tomorrow, starting Saturday, running to the following Saturday, uh, the twenty third, they have a new promotion. I'm not quite sure myself. I know it's if you spend $500, you will get two free items. But I'm told that we have a brief ad that will explain it. So let's watch. If you're like me, you love free stuff. For a limited time only, American Reserves is offering two free items with any purchase of $500 or more. That's right, you'll receive a 72-hour kit and a milk bucket free with your purchase of $500 or more. Head over to the American Reserves website now. This sale ends on December 23rd. Okay, so there you go. That starts tomorrow, Saturday, and will run one week until Saturday, December 23rd. Spend $500, you'll get two buckets and um, so hey i'm just thinking this through if you're going to spend say two thousand dollars you got to break that up into four different orders <laughs> you, you'll you'll receive uh you'll receive eight buckets for free do it that's how i would do it if i were you all right i'm just giving you some tips hey we got to take a break station id coming up next morning manna You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Okay, welcome back. We're going to be doing Morning Mana here in just a few seconds. Um, we started another chapter today. I think it was chapter 25. I am trying to get to the end of the Acts of the Apostles by the last day of December. So I've got the 
pedal to the metal, and we're going through chapter after chapter to finish up the book of Acts. And uh, this is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. So um, let's watch. We recorded this earlier, and uh, Doc participated with us from Ohio. Then at the end of Morning Manna, we will reconnect with Doc in Zanesville, Ohio. Here's Morning Manna. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us life today. We woke up alive and our names written in your book of life. We are blessed. And Father, we thank you for being our Heavenly Father. We welcome the Holy Spirit into this Bible study to teach us the greatness of your word and the glory of your Son, Jesus. Open our eyes to see and understand our King Jesus, his principles and his ways, his personality, his wisdom, his love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. So we are in Acts chapter 25. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up, please. And uh, we're reading the first 18 verses. I'm reading from the King James this morning. Now, when Festus was come into the province, after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. Now, remember, they, this is for two years now and desired favor against him. Uh, but Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. When he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Then unto Caesar shalt thou go. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There's a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die. Before that, he is which accused have the accusers face to face, and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither, Without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accuser stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed. That's verse 18 there, Rick. Amen. Okay, uh, verse 1. 
Now, three days after Festus had come uh, into the into the province, he went to Caesar. He went from Caesarea up to Jerusalem. So the 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 newly appointed governor of Judea uh, came quickly and took up his duties. He he wasted no time. Uh, he had a brief three day. Uh, stay in Caesarea, and then departed and immediately went to Jerusalem. Uh, the journey most likely was undertaken for administrative and informational purposes. Uh, he needed to understand the situation in the city. He just took over. He's replaced Felix. He's the new governor. And he's trying to get acquainted with the region that he's now ruling. So the purpose of this trip was for uh, Festus to familiarize himself with Jerusalem and gain insights into the state of affairs in the region. So this is a significant change in the political leadership in the region. So Paul's still under arrest, and now he's going to be, his case is going to be heard by a new governor. Verses 2 and 3, the high priests and the elders of the Jews spoke to him against Paul and begged him. So the, the Jewish rulers of Jerusalem did not relent in their determination to bring false accusations against Paul. I knew several years have passed. At least since, two. At least two years since this ruckus started with Paul in the temple. So they approached Governor Festus with a formal complaint demonstrating their unrelenting hostility towards the apostle. What were they after? They sought to initiate legal proceedings against Paul. They wanted, they let Festus know, we want him tried and punished. These guys were not backing down. They, they held on to this anger, this hatred for several years. And their determination to have him prosecuted uh, had not weakened at all over time. In fact, they seem to be more determined than ever yes. to kill him. Verse 3, remember, so uh, in verse 2, it says, and they begged him, asking as a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem, plotting to kill him along the way. <laughs> These sneaky, devious Jews are still planning a to ambush Paul being transported to trial. Yeah, remember they're these scheming. Yeah. They're still scheming and plotting to murder him. Yeah, remember those Sakari, Rick, they'd made a vow not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Remember that? Well, yeah, they must... Be pretty hungry and thirsty by this point. After two years. <laughs> so, 
So um, in verse 3, uh, the Jewish leaders uh, made a deceptive request to manipulate Festus into summoning Paul to Jerusalem. They asked Festus to send Paul and have him brought to Jerusalem for trial. Well, why not have a trial in Caesarea where, where the governor resides? No, they wanted it done in Jerusalem because they had a plot. Their, their real intention was not for Paul to have a fair trial, of course but not. to lay a trap to assassinate him during the journey from Caesarea to Jerusalem. So we see this persistent determination of the Jews to plot his murder. But we also see God's divine protection of Paul. Yes. Because it was not Paul's time to die. No, he had to go to Rome. That was the promise he had the to go Lord to Rome. made to Paul. And Paul is aware of it, and he's 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 actually helping the prophecies that were given to him, he's actually helping these prophecies come true. So verse 4, Festus said that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he in himself intended to go there shortly. Most likely, Festus was aware uh, of the Jews' hostile intentions. Uh, you, you no doubt Felix, when, when Felix briefed Festus, when there was a transfer of power, you can be certain Felix said, now let me tell you something, Festus. <laughs> These Jewish rulers in Jerusalem are sneaky. They, they'll try to manipulate you. They'll lie to you. And let me give you an example, Festus. You've got a prisoner here named Paul. And they want to kill this man. Let me tell you what happened two years ago. Um, my, my captain, my commanding officer in Jerusalem, he was informed by a little boy that overheard a conspiracy. And you, you've, got to be, you've got to be alert, Festus, because these guys in Jerusalem will come up with sneaky, devious ways to manipulate you so that they can carry out murder. It, no doubt that conversation took place. So I, I think Festus, he wasn't going to come right out and say, hey, I'm on to you guys. You, you guys are a bunch of murderers. He just said, no, um, Paul should be kept in Caesarea, and I'm going to go there shortly. And it, he just he just ended the Jews' plot. So what we're seeing here is Festus is following proper Roman legal procedures by deciding to hear Paul's case in the place where he was already in custody, rather than giving in to the Jews' demand to transfer the court hearing to Jerusalem to satisfy them. Right. Because his his view is you're the one making the accusations. If you want this man punished, you're gonna to have to travel to Caesarea. I'm not coming up here 
you're going to have to go to where I live. My, my, my palace is in Caesarea. Verse 5. He also said, let the men in authority go down with me. If there is anything wrong in the man, let them accuse him. So at this point, Festus is showing some uh, conciliatory um, manners towards the Jewish leaders. He, he's saying, um, if this guy has done something wrong, let your men in authority go to Caesarea with me. If there's anything wrong with this guy, Paul, they can accuse him in my court in Caesarea. Verse, verse 6, having stayed among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. This is Festus. And the next day, he, Festus, sat on the judgment seat and ordered that Paul be brought in. So we know that um, Festus stayed in Jerusalem no more than 10 days. The day after his arrival in Caesarea, Festus took his seat on the judgment seat, indicating to everybody his eagerness, his readiness to deal with the matter. And he commanded that Paul be brought before him. You know, this guy's a new governor. Right. And think about it. The, the most controversial, heated criminal case before him involves a preacher. <laughs> and it's his and first was, issue. It's, it's, it's the first issue he's addressing as governor. Yes, a preacher. He's not dealing with murderers, thieves. You know, insurrectionists, he's dealing with a preacher who is falsely accused. But he knows this is a matter I've got to deal with right away because there's trouble brewing here. Uh, these Jewish rulers in Jerusalem, man, they, they've, got, they've got something out for this guy. i got to be careful how I deal with this case. So he acted promptly. He did not delay the legal proceedings. We think about his predecessor, Felix. He stretched this out over two years because he was after a bribe. Yes. Festus has a different attitude. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this is gonna be the first thing I do as governor. I'm not doing anything else until I deal with this case. Verse seven. When he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him and brought many serious charges against him, Paul, which they could not prove. After two years. After two years, they could not come up with any evidence. Their accusations were the same as they made before Felix. But the accusers were unable to provide evidence to support their charges. And the lack of evidence was a crucial factor in this proceeding. Their inability to prove their charges emphasizes the importance of evidence 
and witnesses in legal proceedings. In the Roman in Roman law, and this is where we we as Americans, this is where we we got this principle. A suspect is considered innocent until proven guilty. And without evidence, accusations have no weight. Uh, well, that used to be the way it was in America until Donald Trump. Because what, what we're witnessing in the past six years is the elimination of this ancient rule. Right. And nowadays, the, the seriousness of the accusations is the evidence. You notice yes. that, right? Oh, yes. well, the, the accusation is so serious that it already condemns uh, the right. subject of the accusation. Yes, the seriousness is the evidence. Good observation, Doc. Verse 8. This is Paul speaking. While he defended himself, saying, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I sinned at all. So Paul took, he took the floor to defend himself against the false accusations brought by the Jews. And his defense was focused on refuting the charges against him that were, that were centered on three main areas. Number one, violating Jewish law. Number two, desecrating the temple. Number three, sedition, rebellion against Caesar, against the Roman government. And Paul vehemently denied having committed any of these offenses or sins. Verse 9, desiring to do the Jews a favor, Festus <laughs> answered to Paul, said, what, what? <laughs> Why are all these Roman governors constantly appeasing the Jews? I'll tell you why, because he knew they'll cause trouble. That's why. Festus said to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem to be judged concerning these charges before me? Festus wanted to appease the Jews and gain their support. Remember, he's the new governor. And he knows how he handles this case could make the Jews turn against him or show fake support towards him. He, all these Roman governors were satisfied just to get fake support. They didn't trust the Jews. But they if they like, get allegiance, they didn't like them. They didn't like yeah. the Jews either. They didn't like them. They didn't trust them, but if they could at least get the Jewish rulers to pretend that they liked the Romans, that, that was considered a win. But they, they knew if, if, if the Jews work against us, my, my term as governor is going to be really short because Rome will bring in another governor. So Festus made a proposal to Paul. Paul, I, I got a question for you. Would you be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial in Jerusalem? So the, 
the proposal seemed to suggest that Paul could be trialed, tried before the Jewish Sanhedrin with Festus present as an overseer. I don't think I don't think Festus was saying I'm willing to move my courtroom to Jerusalem. Right. I think he was saying I'm going to make a deal with the Jews. I'll let them run the trial, but I'll be the overseer to make sure it doesn't get out of control. I might be wrong on that, Doc. I, I don't no, know. No, that's I, the- I agree with you. I, I I think that's what Festus was trying to do there, was that he was trying to toss this back, if you will, to the lower court, to the ecclesiastical court, uh, but with the oversight of the Roman authorities to make sure they don't go out of line. Um so no, I agree with you on that. That's exactly what's going on. So he's trying to kick the ball down, kick the can down the road a little bit, uh, trying to appease the Jews, but also saying uh, to Paul as a Roman citizen, uh, the we will protect you. We'll oversee this. Yeah, but it, you know, maybe it maybe Festus, it was a political trick. Is what it was. Yeah. So maybe Festus was thinking in his mind. All right, these guys are determined. They're they're going to kill him. I can't let them kill this man. I know he's not guilty, but the Jews want him, and I got to keep them happy. Maybe if I let them have the trial, I know they're going to find him guilty. Uh, but I'll stop them from executing Paul. I'll let them. I'll let them scourge him, beat him, whip him, maybe put him in prison three or four or five years, but I won't let them execute him. Well, now, Rick, here's my question. Why didn't uh, Festus just say, this is what we're going to do, instead of asking Paul his thoughts on it? I mean, Festus well, was in charge. He could have just said, we're, this is what we're going to do. That's right. So Paul said, this is verse 10, I am standing before Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you know very well. So Paul firmly declined Governor Festus's proposal to be judged in Jerusalem, and he asserted his rights as a Roman citizen to be tried before Caesar's judgment seat rather than face trial before the Jewish Sanhedrin. He's saying to Governor Festus, I'm a Roman citizen. You have no right to put me before a Jewish Sanhedrin court. I'm a Roman citizen, and I have rights, and my right is to be tried in a Roman court by a Roman judge sitting on Caesar's judgment seat. And Festus knew. Paul knows his rights. I can't can't overcome this because there, there are witnesses in this room, you know, Roman government officials. There are witnesses in this room who are hearing his statements. There, you know, there's a, there's a court clerk writing down all the proceedings he, he can't overrule Paul in this. Paul has, Paul has spoken clearly. He has rights as a Roman citizen. And, and Festus, Festus is too. Yeah. 
And Festus had shown an obvious bias in the court against Paul by offering to move the trial to Jerusalem and be tried before, you know, the Sanhedrin. And so how is he going to get a fair trial before Festus at all? He's not. And so, right. and there was no, and there was no, uh, like, uh, we have different levels of court system in the U.S. Uh, when it went from Festus, there was no, uh, you know, intermediary between him and Rome. It went directly to Rome. So, so, um, so Doc, you know, Festus knew, he knew as a Roman governor, he could not force Paul to go to Jerusalem for the trial. That's right. So he suggested it to Paul and said, Paul, here's an idea. What do you think about this? Hoping that Paul would agree to it. But notice there's no pushback from Festus when Paul declines it. Yes. Because he was, hey, Paul, it's just an idea. Just an idea. Because Festus knew he could not legally force Paul to go to Jerusalem because Paul's a Roman citizen. And Festus had to immediately back down and, and, and just say, hey, it was just an idea. I, I don't have the authority to make you go there. You're right, Paul. You're right. You're absolutely right. You have rights. And I just threw this idea out, Paul, for you to decide it because I can't make you do it. But if you were willing to do it, I would approve it. <laughs> See how he was setting it up? Right. You know, oh, Paul, if, if you say you want to go to Jerusalem, I'll prove it. That way he could tell the Roman government, Paul said he wanted to go to Jerusalem for the trial. And I said, okay, that's what you want to do. You're a Roman citizen, but that's where you want to go. I'll let you go there. He wasn't going to tell the Roman government it was my idea. I'm the one that tried to get him to do it. But he backed down really fast. So verse 11, Paul says, if I am doing wrong, or have done anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if these are empty charges of which these men accuse me, no one may deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. So Paul makes a significant declaration to Festus. He states that if he has indeed committed any offenses, worthy of the death penalty under the Roman government. He would not object to the consequences of his actions. He says, if I've done something worthy of death in the Roman Empire, then kill me. However, if these are false accusations from religious people, you, governor, cannot deliver me to these lying Jews. And Festus knew that Paul was right. And then Paul makes, he pulls out his, his ace card. I want to be, I want to be tried by Caesar in Rome. I'm going to the Supreme Court. That's what he's saying here. All right. Thanks. At this point, I, I'm demanding that I go to the Supreme Court in Washington. Can you imagine if Fox News or CNN was around back then, Rick, the headlines and everything that would have yeah. been out there? Appeal to Caesar. <laughs> yes. He's, he's under Roman law. 
Hall had the right to go immediately to the Supreme Court, which was Caesar in Rome, the highest authority in the Roman Empire, the Roman emperor. This would be like, you know, we're here in the state of Florida, and I'm, you know, I'm being tried uh, before the governor, you know, the, the highest judge of Florida. And I say, uh, Your Honor, I'm going to exercise my right. I want my trial to be heard in Washington, D.C., with Joe Biden presiding. Because that's what happened here. Caesar would be the, the judge, the Supreme Court judge. So, Paul, Doc, this, this, this decision by Paul to appeal to Caesar aligns with the divine guidance he received in Acts 23. Yes. Where Jesus assured Paul that he would bear witness for Christ in Rome. Yes, first in Jerusalem, though. He had to go to Jerusalem yes. first. And yes. then and he's already done that. Yes. But Paul knows, I, I did my thing in Jerusalem. The Jews want to kill me. I'm going to stay alive until I get to Rome. But in Rome, I die. But the Jews are not going to kill me here in Jerusalem. Verse 12, when Festus had conferred with the council, he then answered, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Kind of like, so you want to see the Wizard of Oz, huh? Okay. Well, you're going off to see the wizard. Okay. I, I can't overrule a Roman citizen appealing to Caesar. I have no authority to deny that request. That is your right as a Roman citizen. And so you want to see Caesar? Well, you're going to see Caesar. Pack your bags. Here we go. You know, uh, so Festus here, in a way, he was he was wanting to get this whole situation out of his hands anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, but this... he, he didn't, but he didn't dare deliver Paul to the Jews in uh, Jerusalem in violation of Roman law. That would get him in trouble. And he wasn't willing to do justice to Paul and thus make him unpopular with the Jews either. And so um, totally political. Yes. Self-serving, self-interest political decision for Festus. This is wonderful. <laughs> he can tell the Jews, hey, you heard me. I'm, I was trying to get Paul to, to transfer to Jerusalem, let you guys deal with him. You heard me say it, but he, he, he appealed to Caesar, well, my hands are tied, you know. I tried, chief, pre, uh, chief high priest, I, I tried. I tried to give Paul to you, but unfortunately, he knows his rights, and my hands are tied, and so he's got to go to Rome. Next case. Do you think uh, this surprised Festus? Um, I think he's probably surprised at Paul's knowledge of his rights. Um, 
There was a little bit of sarcasm in his response to Caesar, yeah. you have appealed to Caesar, you shall go. I think he was saying, hey, <laughs> he'd be better off with me than Caesar. Yes, because he knew who Caesar was and Nero. <laughs> yes. Crazy Nero. <laughs> yeah. You, are you sure you want to do it? That's what you want to do. Okay. That's, that's what you get. But Festus was, you know, he just, he looked at the court bailiff and said, next case, bring me another one. Okay. Jewish leaders, this is over. Pounded the gavel case, case over. This case is closed. Go on home. Nothing to see here, folks. I got another, I got another hearing coming up. He got rid of it. And he was, he was happy. He was happy. He was fine. Verse 13. Um, after several days, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. So this is King Agrippa II and his sister Bernice. And uh, Agrippa was uh, a member of the Herodian dynasty, the son of Herod Agrippa I. Um, if, if you recall what happened to him back in Acts 12, he didn't have a very happy ending. Right. Um, Agrippa II did not immediately succeed his father as king of Judea, but um, eventually received various territories and titles from the Roman emperors. Uh, Bernice, which is Agrippa's sister, uh, she had a scandal, scandalous personal history, incestuous relationships and love affairs. Uh, her conduct with family members uh, and her uh, her involvement with prominent Romans such as uh, Vespasian, Vespasian and, and Titus. Right. Uh, it, it, she, her, her love life provided a lot of content for the, the scandal newspapers of, <laughs> of Judea, you know. If there was a National Enquirer back then, she was on the front cover. Um, so this was a, a formal act of greeting, recognition of Festus, the newly appointed uh, Roman governor in Judea. And, um, you know, Agrippa's opinion on matters um, probably carried a lot of weight with Festus, considering his understanding of Jewish affairs. He was a Herodian. Right. Uh, verse 14. When they had been there many days, Festus stated Paul's case to the king, saying, there is a man left as a prisoner by Felix. Uh, so he took the opportunity to talk to uh, Agrippa about Paul. Uh, he knew that Agrippa had an understanding of Jewish customs and laws and behavior and attitudes, and he was hoping to get some insight from Agrippa. So he explains, hey, this guy's been in custody for a couple of years. He's a leftover from Felix and uh, tells him the story. And, and you know, he's asking, he's asking Agrippa for, for his opinion. Uh, verse 15, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me about him, asking for a sentence against him. 
So he fills in Agrippa with the, the details of how the Jews wanted to kill him, kill Paul. Verse 16, I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to die before he who is accused meets the accusers face to face and has the opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge against him. So Festus uh, is explaining to Agrippa that he followed Roman law and procedures. Right. He didn't want to get back to Rome that he somehow didn't follow procedure here uh, because it could mean he'd be removed as governor. That's right, because he knows Paul's going to Rome. And when Paul gets to Rome, the story's going to Rome, too. That's a good point, yeah. And most likely, the Jews in Jerusalem are going to go to Rome, too. And they're going to go there and lie. And they'll probably lie about Festus. And he knows that. These guys will lie about me, too. And then then Caesar's going to hear lies. So I'm going to tell... Agrippa right now. This is my side of the story. Because I know Agrippa is going to tell Caesar. And, you know, I want to I want to beat the Jews to telling Caesar what happened here. He's just heading he's just heading them off before they get to Rome and lie. Verse 17 So when they assembled here without delay, I sat on the judgment seat the next day and ordered that the man be brought in. He's telling Festus, look, I did everything by the book. As soon as I took my position, I I sat on my judgment seat and said, this man's been held for two years. I'm going to take care of this matter today. You know, he's, he's letting Festus know, man, I get things done. (coughs) <coughs> he, he's not bad-mouthing Felix, <coughs> but he's he is contrasting himself with Felix. He's telling Festus, you know, without saying Felix's name, I'm not like Felix that let this thing fester for two years. Fester, Festus let it fester. Yeah, Festus and fester, you know. <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't let this thing just sit there for two years. I didn't try to get a bribe. I did my duty. I, I, I called the court into session immediately so we, this man would get a fair trial. What he's saying to, you know, he's saying, he's trying to make himself look really good. Like, hey, we got a Roman citizen here who's been held for two years on false accusations. And I wanted to get this thing over with. I, I acted quickly. Verse 18 when the accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such crimes. Again, this is this is Festus telling his side of the story to Agrippa and informing Agrippa, hey, <laughs> these Jews from Jerusalem, they had no evidence, no witnesses. This case is flimsy. But they are determined to kill him. And that's what that's where we leave off. And then we'll pick up on Monday, we'll pick up at verse 19. All right. Well, it's a great lesson today, and so many parallels to today. It just uh, you know, the, the political infighting and the back and forth and everything. I mean, it's like it's just like in the halls of uh, 
Washington and Jerusalem today and Tel Aviv today. So, well, listen, we appreciate everyone joining us here today for our morning manna. As usual on Fridays, we have Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, and we invite you to participate with us this morning as well. So if you have bread and uh, either uh, red wine or grape juice and uh, have that ready, we'll pray over that here in just a moment. And uh, so uh, have those materials ready. What we normally do is before we partake of communion, we ask the Lord to search our hearts first, make sure there's nothing that's standing between us and the Lord. We don't want to drink and eat of the Lord's Supper unworthily with sin in our lives, with unconfessed sin in our lives, with things that need to be reconciled in our lives. And so what we normally do is we first ask the Lord to search our hearts and make sure that we're pure before we enter into this holy communion with the Lord. Rick, would you pray for us that the Lord would search our hearts this morning? Yes, I would. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, you are a just God, a just judge who is fair and merciful, and you desire to punish no one, but you give every lawbreaker grace and mercy and plenty of opportunity and time to repent and ask for forgiveness. And so, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit search our hearts and minds, reveal to us things that we, we did or said or th thought about in the past week since the last time we received the Lord's Supper. Bring these things to our remembrance that we may repent and make things right with you. Please forgive all of our sins and wrongdoings, not only the things that we didn't, that we did, but also the things that we did not do that were sin, like neglecting. Yes, Lord. To do what is right, neglecting to worship you, neglecting to, to give offerings under you, neglecting to be um, kind to the poor and the weak. Father, Show us the things where we have missed your will. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as we mentioned before, uh, if you're a confessing believer in Jesus Christ, which means you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father right now, reigning over his kingdom. And if you've been baptized in water, according to scriptures, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, then we invite you to participate in this most holy of the ordinances of the church, and that is the Lord's Supper. And normally what we do is we, first of all, we pray over the elements of communion and ask for the Lord's blessing on it. And so we're going to do that now. So if you have the elements of uh, the Lord's Supper in front of you, let's pray over them. Almighty God, in your tender mercy, you gave your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He offered himself and made once for all time a perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He instituted this forgiveness of compassion and death, which he commanded us to continue until he comes again. And so, Father, we ask you to bless and sanctify with your word and your Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and wine that we may partake of his most blessed body and blood. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. 
And if everyone will repeat after me, therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. This is the bread of heaven. Take and eat in remembrance that Christ died for you. Then after supper, Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink the cup of salvation in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world, and blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This sacrament is the gift of God for the people of God. Feed on him by faith with thanksgiving that Christ died for you. Praise God. Glory Amen. to God. Lord, Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord here in a real way today, Rick. I mean, just... Praise God. I, I, well, it, well, you're on you're on a mission for the Lord well, to, to bless a sister. Yes. All of us, those of you who have contributed to, to faith and values... Um, you you are participating in Mary's miracle today. Yes. There's, there's a sister, a, a woman in Ohio who is part of this ministry who is about to be super blessed today. Right. That, it, that she's going to go from um, poverty and despair and hopelessness to having a brand new home to live in. And her hopelessness will end. And her poverty will end, and her her want will end within hours. Yes. Within hours from today, because Doc's going to deliver a brand new home to her. Yes. And we are and not only a home, but you're going to fill the, the the pantry of this new home with food. Yes and bed linens and pots and pans and everything that this woman needs. We're going to give her money. Um, we're going to give her a gift card to go to a store and buy new clothing. Yes. We're just going to give her a new life. And if you're, if you're a contributor, a financial contributor to, to faith and values, then you are participating in Mary's miracle at Christmas time. Yes. So it's this very exciting and lots of little things that uh, have to be done in person. I'm taking care of this morning. Uh, it seems like there's always one more thing that has to be done. And yeah. uh, so I'm taking care of a couple of those things this morning. And so in um, working. Together. When do you, Doc, when do you think you'll be over at Mary's place? Well, uh, I'm heading right after we're done here. I'm going to head over to uh, the uh, city where she lives. And so uh 
I'm going to try to get uh, the camper delivered right after lunch today. It didn't get delivered okay. yesterday because of an insurance issue. And so I got to take care of that this morning. And uh, so, uh, but after that, we, I've been promised by uh, the delivery guy that it would be this afternoon. And so, uh, and I'll be providing some video of that and everything. And so I'm going to be working on that. I, I don't know if I'll be able to join you for uh uh, true news today. Uh, we'll just have to kind of play it by ear here over the next few hours. So, but I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> no. All, right. All right. So, um, well, Doc, if, if you can, if it works out, if you can do the, the delivery after two, mm -hmm. then you could go live yes. on faith and, and values. I and, plan on uh, doing that. Yes. We could all watch it live. Yes, so I want to do a live delivery if we can. I, I want to, I right. want to see the birthing of this miracle in person. Yeah, I know that's everyone right. else wants yeah. to. So, so yes, yeah, I want to live. So that that's the that's the cool thing about our new platform is that um, Doc will be able to to uh, stream live from uh, from Ohio and show us the the delivery of the home and Mary's reaction to getting it. And walking inside of it, right. All so right. I'm very, I'm very excited. I know everyone else is too. Be praying that all the little things get taken care of this morning, so we can get that delivery taken care of, and we can start filling that uh, new home up with the things that she needs in order to really begin a new lease on life. So be praying. I don't, I don't think we've given. A, I don't think we've given a new home to anybody since 1999. And that's an incredible story, too. You'll need to share that again. Yeah. We have a lot of new people uh, yeah. here with us, and they need to hear that story, too, sometime. Right? Yeah. So. I like it. I like doing it. So uh, I, I, I do this every month. If, if the folks would give us the money to do it, I, I enjoy doing it. All right. So anyhow, hey, we got to let you go, Doc. We'll, yes. we'll hear from you later today. Hey, well, we love everybody here, and thank you so much for your prayers, your financial support and uh, continue to be praying for this situation day. Everything falls into place. Continue to pray for this ministry on a regular basis. Uh, we need your prayers more, more than the financial support. We need your prayers, but we also need your financial support too. So don't neglect that, uh, but be praying for us. We, we need that commitment more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, and listen, it's not too late to get in on, on donating because what we've done is that we've, we've just taken money out of our, our general operating fund, but we need to pay bills in December. And um, so yeah, we're we just had trusting a, we had a lot of bills with the move and everything. And so yeah. we, so that, that's so, going to hit. But we're, just, we're, just, but we're just going by faith, trusting that God's going to speak to people in the month of December and we'll have, we'll have enough money for our needs by the end of this month. We're not worried about it. We trust our Lord. We trust him. And if you need money, what do you need to do, uh, Rick? Give. That's right. And so we're we're going to live it out in front of you, folks. Okay. Whatever you need, give. Yes. If you need friends, be a friend. If you need love, then be loving. If you need a hug, then hug. Do whatever you need. Give. Give the thing that you need. Yes. It comes back to you multiplied. Praise God. So. All right, Rick. Listen. We're uh, going to give away a home today. That's right. So. What All right, did so, Jesus say? What did Jesus say about if you follow him? He said that in this life he would you would receive 
100 times homes, brothers, sisters in this lifetime. Yes. So, um, look, all of us will receive a blessing from the Lord for our participation in this miracle for Mary. Yes. Not just one of us, all of us collectively. We will all receive a portion of the blessing. Praise God. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope to have a live update for you later today. I'm working towards that. And uh, in the meantime, be praying for us. And don't forget to invite people to uh, listen to uh, Morning Manna. Uh, If they can't join us live, they can also listen to the replay here on Faith and Values. And don't forget, every day at 12 noon, we also have True News here on Faith and Values, truenews.com, WWCR International Shortwave, and various social media channels as well. And so we encourage you to listen to us then. And uh, Rick was telling me yesterday that according to our streaming stats, we have thousands of people that are listening to Morning Manna uh, on on streaming when we uh, air in the afternoons. And so that is very, very encouraging. And uh, I know it's bringing people into uh, faith and values and into this uh, faith community that we've been building here online. And so, uh, well, uh, on behalf of Rick. Five five to seven, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. You froze there, Doc, and I didn't know you were still talking. Um, okay. Yeah, we're averaging about five to seven thousand people listening to Morning Manna from one p.m. to two p.m. Eastern Time. Praise God. So this this Bible study is now becoming a significant uh, gathering of people to hear the Word of God. Uh, hey, uh, one quick thing. I, I know we got to wrap it up here, Bob Hall. Uh, posted a few minutes ago. It's it's better to give than to receive. Do you know why, Bob? You, here's why. Okay, if you're the receiver of somebody who is given something, uh, you have a you have a finite amount that you received. In other words, if I give Doc a thousand dollars. All right. All the talk is going to get is $1,000, okay? But as the giver, God will see that I get a lot more than the $1,000. It's better to give than to receive. Amen. A lot of people want to be receivers, and they don't understand that you're, you're coming out on the short end by being a receiver. You want to be the giver. Amen. The giver is the one that gets super blessed because the blessing comes from God, not from people. All right, that's it. We're running out of time. All right. God bless you. We'll see you on the Monday edition of Morning Manna. God bless you. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, We're going to reconnect with Doc Burkhardt in Zanesville, Ohio. And get a an update. There's Doc. Hey, Doc, where are you hey. right now? I'm at the uh, new site for Mary's new home here. Has so, it been delivered? Oh, there it is. It, there it is, right there. Fantastic. So, All right. You can see there. All right. So, so um, I'm being told by control room that we've got some some um, video of. Yeah, here it is. The, the, we're seeing now, Doc, the uh, video of of the trailer being uh, brought into the mobile home park? Yes. 
fantastic. Yeah, so this is the delivery you're seeing it when it was actually delivered and everything. And so. Well, what was yeah. what was Mary's reaction when she saw it? She hasn't seen it yet. Oh, she hasn't so. seen it. She hasn't seen it yet. And so, uh, so I'm going to bring her down here a little bit later, and so we'll get her all set up. And so, okay, all but, right. Yeah, and but I'll have that reaction for everybody on faith and values. So, but yeah, this is it being delivered here, and I don't know how much time we have left here, but I wanted to show folks uh, the we interior. Th- we got about three minutes. So go ahead. Oh, okay. This is uh, this is it just being uh, delivered and set up, and so I'm going to take you into the camper itself here. Now we don't have the electric on yet. Uh, we got to do a little work on that this afternoon, but I want to take you inside here and just show you. Now, we don't have the slide outs out yet because we don't have the electric on, but uh, we got a bedroom there in the back, uh, dining room area. That's great. Uh, and for- another bedroom. Yeah, so it's a used model, but it's in excellent condition. It is in excellent condition, Rick. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, I have a camper, and so uh, I this would be one. This would be a great deal for anybody, and so uh, it's a great opportunity for us. And so, uh, once again, wow! I just want to say thank you to all the folks that helped us out with this. And uh, now the hard work begins. We got to get it leveled off. We've got to get it. Uh, uh, all set up and everything, get the electric, get the water, get the sewer all hooked up and everything. That's going to be a full day of work and uh, getting it all squared away. But we got it delivered, Rick. Yeah, thank you, Doc. Doc, um, I didn't, I never asked you about the lot rent. Did we pay for it? Yes, uh, I paid a, a few, uh, about six months rent uh, oh. for Mary. So that way she didn't have to worry about it for uh, several months and stuff. And so uh, that way, I'd get her a chance to get her finances uh, back in, in shape and everything. And so we paid yeah, for six ahead. months. Yes, sir. Yeah. Fantastic. I didn't know that. I was just thinking when yep. I saw the empty lot sitting there, I thought, wow, I never talked to you about the lot rent. I, I didn't know how yep. we handled that. Well, good. Yep. You're doing great, Doc. <laughs> this is good. Um, you like doing this? Oh, yeah. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. I like giving stuff. <laughs> it's, better than, it's better than reporting the news, isn't it? Yes. Well, I can't say that. I like sitting around with you and talking about the news, but this is a lot too. So, all right. Well, the yeah, next we, one, I, I'm going to go out thing. on the next one. All right, you have to, Rick. It'll be a real blessing. I can't wait to bring Mary over here later today, and I'll be sharing that on Faith and Values. All right, Doc. We got about 40 seconds. What time do you think uh, you'll do the live feed on Faith and Values? Probably at 3 p.m. is what I'm shooting for right now. Okay. Part depends on Mary and how she's feeling right now. So just just about an hour away. Yes. So. All right. Well, hey, there's our closing music. Uh, We want to thank everyone who has the people who've contributed so far. If you would like to uh, join in, we need the funds. So please give the very best gift you can give to True News in December. We have another family that we want to bless with a home also in the coming weeks. So. We need your help. Got to go. We'll see you on Monday. God bless you. Take care.
You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.